Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Today. Yes, glad that you are with us. Did I say that? Yeah, you did. That's okay. I, I like to do the welcome thing, but sometimes he likes to just take charge, and that's okay. I'm old. I, I just I'm jump just, in sometimes. I'm just here so there's someone young during this show. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Hey, and it's... Uh, we had a great Easter weekend. I was about to we? say that, yeah. That was, that was phenomenal. I was trying to say, you know, more than we just survived it, we, uh, we, we, uh, we thrived it. It was, it was a... Uh, that was one of the best... Yeah, because you know, especially because the year before we 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 couldn't meet in person, and uh, it was still you know it was a good Easter. We met online, and we had to you know it was, but it was there's nothing like meeting, and and uh, we had a we had good groups of folks, and uh, it was just a lot of energy, and um, we ended up live streaming our sunrise service. And yeah. the funny thing with that is that was probably one of our that was the most viewed service the the whole weekend online, not the most attended. It's like there's way more people watching that one online yeah. than here in the building. But in the room, uh, for whatever reason, like the audio to our speakers cut out, but the audio on our live stream kept going. Right. So the online people had no idea. I'm like looking at Brandon, like, hey, fix this. Yeah, I'm looking. I just kind of, during worship, I just kind of stopped. I'm like, yeah. I, I can't even hear myself. So Yeah, so we just kept going and it worked. It was like halfway through the, the last song. Yeah. It was like it was the perfect service for that to have yeah. happened. And there wasn't all that many people here, so they could still kind of hear acoustically yeah. what was going yeah. on. And you know, everybody was sitting closer to the front, so it was it was good. That was a that was a fun one. Yeah. And uh, all the weekend services, went, you know, the other ones went great. We, it, it's always fun when we can do something a little different, like put the baptism clips on the LED wall. And Kurt did a good job with that. We had this uh, GoPro attachment for right. it, so it looked like you were in the water with us. Oh, and we baptized 19 people out of Bay of Honda, too. That was fun. That was great. And, uh, it was a great way to start the weekend. And so, yeah, just really good. And we had, uh, we had been working very hard since the beginning of the year on the facility. And we, we had all of the big stuff came together that last week. So, uh, yeah, really pretty phenomenally the timing of that so that we, uh, we were able to really have it you know, pretty well polished, including, you know, changing flooring titles and everything all happened that last week. <laughs> so that it Doug really Tom installing acoustic, acoustic panels, panels on Saturday, yeah. like, <laughs> the day of an Easter service. So it, it, yeah, it was really, uh, really good. And we're glad of that. And now, you know, I, I've had this feeling that that would be in the spirit that's going to kick off some things. Um, there were a lot of people that came up to me and said, oh, it's so good to be back. They hadn't been for a year. And uh, I think we'll keep some of those folks back. And then they'll start asking folks again. And I think now we're going to see it, you know, start coming back. Because one of the things I feel like is going to happen is because we, we, had, we had great momentum going into COVID, um, which, which was God's thing. And, uh, and certainly he's able to do that again. But you kind of wonder when it all stops, you know, what, what does this mean? What does it look like? What happens next? And, and yet, in a lot of ways, it was an opportunity to kind of, you know, pull back, reflect. God, what do you want? You know, what, what? Where do we keep going? What do we get back to? What maybe we we were doing because we were just used to doing it that way. And um, I think we've prayed through a lot of that. And and I feel like uh, the Lord's been sort of telling me that that he, he's you know he's not done down here by a long shot, and he's going to take it beyond where we were. Uh, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not even sure what that means, but uh, I am looking forward to it. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it's a, it's an adventure, right? That's this whole walk is an adventure. You should be living that way. And we got. I'm looking to see what the next, uh, you know, ten, twenty years has to, 
has to offer to this story. So, uh, so very cool. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. So uh, we'll get into our Vine Press questions. Thank you, everybody, who submitted these. Looks like we have some good ones. Uh, we'll start you off with your first one. You ready for this? Yep. All right, here we go. Uh, in John chapter 20, verse 1, Mary went to the tomb and found it empty. Then in verse 2, she tells the disciples, we don't know where they put him. From the other Gospels, we know that other women went with her to the tomb. So why do you think John focused on just her in this Gospel? Also, uh, this person would love to hear more about the connection of the thorns and thistles after sin entered into the world and the crown of thorns Jesus wore when he defeated sin. They also add, wow, with an exclamation point. Yeah, so, um, you know, each one of the gospel writers kind of really wrote from how, how it impacted them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they remembered things, you know, differently. Um, not, uh, you know, it's like... When, when something happens and you have a number of witnesses to it, they all see it quite a bit differently because they're looking at it from their own perspective, their own worldview. And uh, in the Gospels, you know, I just think the way that John is telling the story, um, he wants to really focus it in on Mary and, and you know, on him and Peter. I kind of tease that John writes pretty <laughs> flatteringly of himself. And, uh, but John think, got there first. I think he does it. I think that's just John's. I, you know, I think they had way more fun than we give them mm -hmm. often credit for. Um, I don't know if you've, I've recommended this show before, but The Chosen uh, is back out. Yep. And did you see the first episode? I, I'm waiting for, like, the right night to watch it. Uh, it's, but, yeah. We just watched it. Is it amazing? It's amazing. Yeah. And John's in it, and, and actually he's writing his gospel. It's great, so I won't give it away. But uh, if you haven't seen The Chosen, go. it's free anyway. Uh, you know, you can pay it forward, which is a good thing to do. But get it. you get it on the app and put it on your TV from the app. And now I saw it the other day on... Uh, the first season's on Peacock, if you get that network. Oh, okay. um, but the second season, you have to get on your app and, and you know, pop to the TV. But really amazing. And I don't recommend a whole lot of chosen movies. So when I recommend one, it should mean, if you haven't seen it, you, you, you'll thank me. I mean, it's that good. Uh, anyway, I'm getting off track. So John's, you know, so he's, he's, I think he's focusing in on Mary on purpose. I'll tell you why. And, you know, I was giving you other stories in there, so you, you wanted me to comment. You know, and I talked about how the garden thing, right? He's redeeming the garden situations and all that that means and looking at the stories. Well, how about another story, if you like that story about the thorns and the thistles and the, and the, um, and the garden and the, and the suffering and the sweat of the brown, all those things. Okay. So um, if, if, here's a great connection back to Genesis, again, in the first garden there. So how, how God makes a bride for Abraham, right? I, got the, I wrote the scripture now. Genesis 2, 21, 23. So the Lord God cursed, uh, caused pardon me, the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. So what you need to see is, so God puts Adam to sleep, opens up his side, and then takes substance out of the side of Adam, by which he creates a bride to give to Adam. And when Adam wakes up, God presents him with the bride. Well, so now, you know, you look at story, right? And, and trust me, this, this amazing story that we have in Scripture. Um, there's all these neat things that are going on that the, the, the gospel writers, you know, John and these guys were just, everything was like re revelation to them. Imagine when they finally got what Jesus had done and who he was after being with him and seeing all these things and then they finally make these connections to the scripture to, that they would know the old testament things are just happening in the same way well think about this 
in, in the same way um, that, that uh, Adam's side is open, uh, think about that, that Jesus' side is open, right, at the cross, when the Spirit goes in it, and, and water and blood come out. And, and that substance that comes out is the substance that God uses to uh, create the bride. We saw that with Adam and Eve. And, and here, when you look at Jesus, well, the blood is for the purchase uh, of the bride, the water for her purification. And so that's the church. That's us. All who believe, we're the bride. We're washed in his blood. We're redeemed, you know, purified in the water. So if you can take the picture a little further, Jesus, you know, his side is pierced. The substance comes out. And then God's going to work with that. And then Jesus is, is put in the tomb. And so, you know, he's dying. I don't want to say, you know, he's asleep because he's not. He, he dies. And that's important because some people say, well, he was just asleep or sick or something. No, he dies. But it's a picture of like when, when God puts Adam in sleep. And when he comes out of the tomb, this is telling you, when Jesus comes out of the tomb, who's there? Mary. Now, I have this thought. That, is that Mary represents the church at that moment. Mary represents the bride of Christ. She's not the bride. And people would try and say that too. Not happening there. But she represents the church. She's a, it's Because a, she's a redeemed person. And she's representing then the church. And, and so John 20, 14, 15. And then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. Didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he says. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking it was the gardener. She said, you've carried him away. Tell me you were having. So he, he on resurrection morning... Um, Mary is the one here chosen to represent the bride. Uh, again, don't hear me say she is. She's not. Um, but she's representing the church at that moment. And when he calls her woman like that, and I said in the message Sunday, it's a term of endearment. It's echoing Genesis 2. I'll call her woman. And, and so that's what he does. And so it's this other picture of the restoring of the garden. And that's what you have to get. That's that first garden uh, that, that we messed up. Um, because we chose to go our own way, but that Jesus has come and has restored that garden relationship to us. So, uh, so anyway, there's another one of those kind of cool stories. I hope that helps with the question. Awesome. Great answer there. Next one. Uh, this person's curious about your stance on Jesus not sweating drops of blood. What brought you to that conclusion? It's debated back and forth in Scripture. Um, and you can go either way, and I don't think it changes the story a whole lot. Uh, um, I think it's kind of a similar, like, it's, it's like, a, it's a descriptive thing. So people get the idea of, of he was sweating like, like, like drops of blood. It was just this intense description. Um, and, and like in the same way that, like an open wound would, you know, a, you know, a big wound, how that would pour out blood. That This is the kind of sweat for what he's doing. But there is a condition that's called hematidrosis. Um, it's very rare, but it does happen, and it's a very real medical condition, and, um, the, I, I looked it up. The sweat glands are surrounded by tiny blood vessels that can constrict and then dilate to the point of rupture, causing blood to fuse into the sweat glands. Uh, and the cause of it is extreme anguish. So could it be? Sure, it could be. And I don't think it changes the, the story really any. Um, and I've gone back and forth on this over the years, and I could go back and forth on it again. Um, so I, I'm at this spot where it's kind of like it could be either or, but I, I think it, the way I at this point would see it is more of a simile for what was going on, and, and uh, it represents the anguish and connects with that he's you know taking very personally on the consequences of Adam. When you see it that way, uh, I think it makes a huge deal um, to the bigger story, which is why I think it's so important. All right, next one. Was Jesus still in the process of completing our redemption in John chapter 20, verse 17, 
when he told Mary not to touch him because he hadn't ascended to the Father yet. Actually, that word um, there that is being translated touch really would be better translated cling to. Uh, and so it was a grip. It wasn't just a touch. And, and so when Mary recognized him, she, all the women, they clung, she was clinging on because she thought that she'd lost him, right? And, and uh, she was like, okay, that's never going to happen again. And so it's this, it's this response to clinging on to Jesus. And, uh, yeah, and, and so anyway, I just had a thought. Um, it's a show I watched yesterday. Uh, we watched last night in The Chosen, and, and in this one scene, um, Jesus hugs this guy. And uh, Alice and I looked at that and said, oh, my goodness, both, it hit both of us. What's that going to be like when, when we, you'll get one? You know, and, and uh, anyway, I'm off track. But anyway, they, they don't want to miss him again. I was just having a moment there. Uh, uh, and, and so they, they grabs a hold of him. And in effect, what Jesus is saying, listen, I know, Mary, that you want to keep me here, I'm always present with you. And I want you, I know you want it to be the same as before I died, but everything is different. Our relationships are different. I have to go so I can send Holy Spirit to you, and it's all part of the process. And so... Um, it, and it's a sort of a picture of him saying that, don't hang on to me, that, that all of us now need to walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, and, and so that's kind of what's happening. So it's not uh, uh, anything other than she was kind of trying to cling on to him. And he says, you can't yet. Everything is changing. Um, but but I, so it's a bigger picture kind of thing. But great question. All right. Next one. If God dwells within believers when multiple believers are gathered, is his presence greater does the presence of God even change in strength, or is it merely our perspective? Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, here's what. Ha, here's how I think that works. So, so when when more so God's presence is very real, right? But then when there's when there's more gathered. Um, what happens is each person is sort of connected also in their own way. And so, um, so it, it might feel like there's more presence of God, but really there's just more space for him to move. Um, and, and so his, I think that, that's how that would work. So, so the answer is kind of, my answer is a little ambiguous there because it's yes and no. Yeah, he's, always, you know, he's, he's you know, fully God and, and you know, fills everything. Um, and, and yet... How we maybe understand him changes. So, like, sometimes, uh, you know, a picture of that would be, like, if we were praying for somebody. Let's say, so if I was praying for somebody, and I might, the Lord might give me an idea or a word of knowledge or an area to pray. That would be great, right? That's the presence of God. But if, if there's me and somebody else praying for somebody, well, God might give, you know, this person um, something that he wasn't given me. And now all of a sudden there's more stuff happening. And, and then because, because then maybe, so Doug would be ministering to somebody, maybe, maybe that would free me up to hear something else, and I could be more engaged. And then if you had a third person, well maybe they get in something that, and, and there's something about that connection, and, and somehow even in the church, what, what makes the church happen is why, and why it's so important to gather where we can is there's a connectedness that happens where each person is bringing something to the mix. Which makes it feel more of the like you're experiencing more of the presence of God. When in when in fact I think the presence is is probably it's all he's always there, but but because of these sort of other little avenues happening, it it may be you know it it uh, amps up the experience. So I hope that helps. Awesome question. Next one. 
is there any significance that the writer of John, it's John, wrote John, right? yes. so we'll say John, specified that Mary spoke in Aramaic when she realized it was resurrected Jesus speaking to her? Why would she say teacher and not Jesus? Yeah, I think what happens is there's a, it's a very um, in, in, uh, endearing moment. If you can hear anything through our mics. I don't think they can hear that, but there's guys uh, painting. They're, they're working up, they're painting up on the roof right now, and, yeah. and we can hear it. Harnessed sounds, and very safe. But, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But it sounds uh, like thunder. Anyway, um, so I think what happens is when Mary, the light comes on for Mary when she hears Jesus say her name, right? Oh, it's Jesus. And her response is a term of endearment. That this would be, you know, Rabboni would be something that she would be saying. It's a, it's a very sort of personal term for a, like a very personal rabbi kind of situation. And, uh, and so it's more of that. It's a, it was a, it was just a term of endearment that popped out when she, when the light bulb went off. That was her response. <sighs> Rabboni, it was, you know, it, it was just that sort of connection. And so, you know, you need to see it as a very sort of intimate sort of, realization of what had happened and that was why the response was so there so i would say it was a term that uh, was used and it just popped up you know that it was rabona awesome uh, this one goes back into the old testament now in leviticus chapter 10 why did aaron's sons nadab and abihu and again if you ever have those names just pronounce them like you mean it die as a result of offering unauthorized fire before the lord whilst later Aaron and his other two sons were spared for not eating the sin offering. Okay, so, uh, good question, and, and yeah, well, well, these guys pay the price, and these guys don't do what they're supposed to do, and they're, they're spared what's going on. So the, the unauthorized fire thing is, cause of, because of the, the fire is such a picture of God. Um, you know, go back to burning bush and all sorts of things. You, you don't mess around with, the fire. And they were told to only bring fire from the brazen altar. And they just decided they didn't want to do it that way. They would just make their own sort of fire. And that was, there was a consequence to that. Well, then later on, you know, there's a sin offering that needs to be made. And um, by Aaron and his remaining two sons. And uh, they're told to, you know, uh, to cook it up. And they let it burn. They don't eat it. And you, you go, uh-oh, what was going on? And... Here it's the interaction then later that Moses has with Aaron because Moses is concerned for them too that they didn't do what he, he said to do. Um, why, you know, in, in Leviticus 10:17, why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sanctuary area? You should have eaten the goat in the sanctuary area as I commanded. And uh, Aaron's response, I think, is what sets up the difference in verse 19. He says, Today my sons presented both their sin offering and their burn offering to the Lord, and yet this tragedy has happened to me. If I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day as this, would the Lord have been pleased? And, and so, verse 20, these words satisfied Moses that Aaron was living in fear and obedience to God. And what he sees there is um, that his response wasn't disobedience. He was just, you know, he was grieving. There was mourning. His, two of his sons had just died. And... and um, he was just overwhelmed in, in sort of the whole process. And so his, it wasn't so much a, a disobedience. He was trying to make sure at this point that he, he was doing, you know, is that what God would have wanted, you know, and, and making sure that uh, in that moment that he was, you know, obeying. And, and I, I think it was more out of, uh, you know, just the, the mourning and the loss and the grief that they, they didn't feel it appropriate to consume the sin offering um, at that point in time. And, and so his Aaron's explanation seems to satisfy Moses and the Lord with what's going on. All right. Uh, one more question. 
Uh, please explain John chapter 17, verse 9. Uh, Jesus prays for his disciples, uh, then says, I do not pray for the world. Does this mean some people are so wicked, Jesus no longer intercedes for them? No, I, I think what's going on in that passage is... Uh, because when you at the Bible as a whole, it's obvious that God cares about the whole world. For God so loves the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have that, you know. So, so it would be well. All of a sudden, is there people? No, I think it's um, uh, it's just specific. It's a present tense kind of prayer um, that that Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm not praying for the world right at this moment, but I'm praying for the disciples, the ones you've given me, for they're yours. Uh, and so. Um, he doesn't say he'll never pray for those, or he's not ever going to do those things. He's just saying, right now, this is how I'm praying. So, but I, I, I'm not currently praying for the world. I'll save that for a later time. Right now, I'm praying for my disciples and the ones whom you've given me. And so, it's just, I think it's just a, really a picture of that particular instance of, of what he's doing. And... Um, and what we're going to do. I mean, we could do the same thing. Right now, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray for, I want to pray for the lost, but I'm going to pray for those people that I'm aware, you know, in my immediate circle, not all, everyone. I'm going to sort of zoom in on this group. And so I think that's way more of what's happening in that passage there. there. Great explanation. Uh, those are our questions. You got a little sneak peek. We're entering into a new series this yeah, week. Yeah, oh, I'm excited. And you're very excited about it. So yeah. why don't you tell us about I'm it? I'm calling this one, Are You Ready? And uh, with a question mark. Are you, though? You, you know, here's the thing. What this, I, th- I'm, I think there's going to be some great stuff in this series to help people get ready and be ready, um, live ready, and whatever that looks like. And I think, uh, jumping right into it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about motivation. I don't know if I talked about this last week. Uh, I can't remember uh, on the podcast. But the big motivations in the world, did we talk about this last week? Do you remember? I don't, th- I don't think we mentioned it. So. All right. So, th- so just to give you a heads up, the, 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 the big motivations in the world, the ones that the enemy is really sort of behind of, are greed and fear. Uh, and... Uh, we're going to expose that, and I'm going to encourage you to start looking and seeing how true that is, that virtually everything is greed or fear in our, in our world, because these are the driving forces, these are motivations in the systems of the world, which are all run by little G God, the, the, you know, the prince of the power of the air, who <laughs> we got, right? Defeated but not uh, departed enemy. And, and so you'll see this these motivations that work in everything that we do. And we'll hopefully expose some of that. And then, but the motivation for us as believers in the kingdom, um, the motivation that we're, everything is supposed to be happening with is love. And that changes everything. And I think uh, if, if, if you will start honestly looking at your decisions and things that you're doing in your life, and if you will run it through the filter, is this... Am I doing this out of greed or fear, or am I doing this out of his love? Um, and that you can really start doing that, then things really begin to change. Because I think if you're honest, and it takes a level of honesty, being really honest at looking at things, if you'll honestly look at those things in your life, um, you, you, you'll be a little shocked at first, and then you'll start making much different decisions in your life. And when you get motivation as your love, um, you're far less likely to... Be deceived by the enemy. Um, and, and one of the examples I'll use is we'll talk about how the enemy 
He always tries the same three tricks. I talk about this a lot, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the, the eyes, eyes and the pride of life. life. Boom, boom, boom. Does it with Adam and Eve, and they fall for it in the fall. Does it with Jesus, and it doesn't work. And you go, well, that's because he's Jesus. Also, because his motivation is completely different. His motivation is love. And when you take greed and fear out of the thing, very hard to get deceived because you, you just have to go, well, what does love look like here? God is love. What does this look like? And it begins to really change everything. And the way that we, I believe, the way that we significantly make that change to stay with love as our motivator is that we are really aware of our hope. And um, in First Peter, it talks about, you know, always be prepared, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. And people go, well, we just need to tell about Jesus. I, I just think that you, you, you need to be so aware of our hope. It needs to have such an impact on our life that, that what's going to happen, um, new creation, that all those things that we talk about, but that you really get that. That I think, you know, that it, it, it got some of the excitement about what's coming got stolen from us, uh, and I want to be careful I say this, by sort of limiting the, the end of our lives to heaven. And, and because a lot of people think, it seems kind of boring. And it's not the end game. The, 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 you know, we, <laughs> the end game is new creation, restored to the relationship we were created for. The, the planet's not going to be destroyed. That would mean the enemy won. The, the planet is going to go back to what God always intended. We get everything back the way it's supposed to be. And then we get to walk with him and partner with him forever without evil. And, and there, when you get a hold of that, it begins to change everything because everything now is just temporary. And, and, the, and you get it back. See, a lot of people think, well, okay, this is one thing and then there's that. Uh, this is all, whatever we lose now, we get back anyway. And we get to be sowing into it now. And so we, we have to have a, a real, our, our attention needs to be, I'm sorry about my hands. Uh, I'll go this way. On the end game, and I can't, I can't, and when I get excited, I can't help but move my hands. Let me hold them down. Listen, the end game is our hope. So, like, you need to front load the end game. And when you do that, I can't do it then everything begins to change. And my hope is we'll dig back in in this series. I'm not going to rush through it. Uh, I, we need to bring back in some of the story uh, because I want to keep that in front of you. Listen, when you know his story, you don't need to fall for these other crazy narratives that people keep popping up. Uh, and you can go, that's, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I already know that the enemy's got all these little things going. I, and so, boom, I don't care. But my hope is I, I know what God's doing. And, and so it allows me to be aware of those things and see what's happening and live life differently. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. So get, get it's ready. Gonna, it's going to be a good one. I think it, I think it, yeah. I think it has a potential. Now, sometimes you get excited and it falls flat. And it's probably my fault. So, but, but, uh, but we'll see what happens and we'll go for that. And, uh, yeah, so real quick, worship set. You want me set. to go get that? Yeah, I'll go, go ahead get and that. get that, and then uh, we'll go over the worship set. And Yeah, yeah, I got this. So uh, worship this weekend, I'm super excited about it. Uh, we're going to start off with How Great Thou Art. Um, that'll be a good one. It's actually the Paul Beloche arrangement. Uh, and then after that, my mother, uh, Miss Alice, you saw her when she was filling in for me when we were renovating this, uh, requested that we do Cherry Blossoms. Uh, that's a great vineyard song. After that, uh, my wife and Micaiah will be leading the song Getting Ready by Maverick City. Good one. We think it fits with our series nicely. Uh, and then we're introducing a new one called Your Nature by Carrie Job. Uh, you can listen to that one. Get ready uh, to sing along with that. And we're going to end uh, with I Thank God. We did that one last weekend. And that is uh, another one of our 
favorite songs, so it'll end uh, on a high note. So that's worship coming up, and it looks like we got a big box. My poor dad is trying to deal with it. And um, should I just close it up, Dad? Or do you want to come back? Locking the door. Are you still on? I'm still on, yeah. I was waiting for you to come back on. This is what a live recording is like when we don't feel like trimming parts out. We just keep going, rolling with it. Just roll with the punches. Did you mute your microphone? I unmuted it just then. Okay. So you muted it when you were moving stuff. All the moving in. Yes. Yeah. So you won't hear any I, of that. I'm sure they would have liked to hear you grunt. Probably. Yeah. But there's a lot of that. You don't get that. Anyway, so did you fill them in on what's happening? We got our, our worship set in. We're doing How Great Thou Art, Cherry Blossoms, Getting Ready, Your Nature. And oh, I you're doing that. Getting Ready. I was going to ask you to do Getting Ready. Good job. Yeah. Good. I was listening to that this morning. Yeah. No, Maverick City, right? That Maverick City, yep. Yeah, good. I think we're doing... Two Maverick City songs this weekend. So. You doing I Thank God again? Yeah, we'll end with that one. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, are we well, done? I, I, you know, that's that's all I've got to talk about. That's all I'm doing. Goodbye, Vineyard. So, I actually thanks for my app. Thanks so for can... being a part, and uh, we'll be at it this weekend. Come and join us this weekend. Yes. yes. All right. Yeah.